welcome back to Anime on the Sea to Sky. Honestly, it was probably a better idea for me to get this out of the way as soon as possible in terms of any kind of supplemental pre-recorded content, considering that there have been many times where I have made a trip out east, whether it's just through a personal trip over to the Maritime, seeing a couple of buddies of mine in between Newfoundland and Labrador that I hadn't seen since university, or for most of the cases, to go down and see a lot of family generating around Ontario and every single time over the past two years that I've visited I've always assumed that hey I could probably just take my laptop with me take my mic and be able to have the opportunity to go and edit this to go and record an episode get through and post it in the middle of all of the opportunities that I have hanging around the family and all the prior engagements to go through and I have failed in every single regard of that point so Probably thought it would be a good idea to go through, get one of these episodes out of the way so I can at least have something come out in the middle of the time that I'm spending out in Ontario with the family, so might as well get that out of the way. But at least at the time here, there's not a lot of stuff that has popped up over the past week and a half since the last episode that I recorded, mostly of which is coming out of streaming services, say Netflix, considering that even though they had already taken rid, considering that even though they had already gone rid of the basic plan, that included added a, about a month ago outside of Canada, they have now removed that basic plan altogether in both the UK and the US. So now in that case, it's great. We can also provide you with a standard plan. That's $7 US a month to basically go through without ads, and we can give you two devices to go through, but you can't download shit. Not unless you decide to go for the standard without ads plan. And then if you wanted to pay an extra $4 a month, considering that you'd be able to upgrade the amount of devices simultaneously up to 6 then sure, go for 20 But no, it's just been quite a while to essentially go down and try to find the opportunity to find something on Netflix, because I don't necessarily go around there a lot of the time to go and try and find some new content to watch. Outside of that, I do know that Nimona is one of their new animated properties that they put out on it, and from what I've heard, that deserves a lot of good recommendations, and I would probably point you in that direction, but only if you already have the plans set up and all together, so there's the rest of that. Mostly the biggest piece of news to come out over the past week is that Adult Swim has revealed all of the trailers for a handful of the shows that they are going to be able to come and release all by the end of this year. And to start out with that, the first one that they ended up going through is the Ninja Kamui anime, which is directed by Sung-Hoo Park, which in this case he was able to go through and direct the first season Jujutsu Kaisen. He also ended up doing the God of High School down at MAPPA, and so he's going to be directing this new futuristic action-adventure anime uh, going through the rest of this behind Sola Entertainment and EH Productions. So not a lot for me to go through and get excited about this one. I mean, to be fair, it is directed in this case by Sung-Hoo, so at the very least I'm going to be seeing a couple of clips pop up every now and again once this ends up getting released at some point in the time at the, by the end of the year, and have the opportunity to go through and either see these through MADs, through AMVs, and see a lot of good action choreography to come out, especially considering that Sung-Hoo Park is a phenomenal action director regardless of the project that he's attached to. And then something that has been delayed and put on and delayed and put on just so many times in between Toonami and between now and 2020, the Uzumaki adaptation apparently finally has a release date that is scheduled to be, once again, not guaranteed, but at some point in time at the end of this year. So call it November or December of 2023, three years after it was supposed to debut on Toonami back in 2020. So 
Uzumaki, in a sense, is probably one of the most, if not the most notable, horror manga stories put to page. Done by the illustrious Jinji Ito, it is a phenomenally horrific horror story that takes place in a rural town outside in the west of Japan. But what I've seen from screenshots, especially related to the manga itself, how Ito is able to translate horrific designs from basic shapes, topographies, and landscapes through the rest of it to make it seem like it is something otherworldly and alien towards anybody who decides to go in and read it. Oh, he's a phenomenal artist to kind of bring those horrific images to life. And the fact that we're going to be getting an anime adaptation, even though I know that it's been going back and forth and feel the rest of it, I... I'm definitely going to watch it, but I am not going to be guaranteed any kind of adaptation, or in this case as well as a release date, until we finally have the opportunity to see it on the screen. And the final one, which in no fucking way am I ever going to find the opportunity, give this show even a slim chance of my time or my attention, is Fully Cooly Grunge and Fully Cooly Shoegaze which are just, if I haven't made it perfectly clear that Alternative Progressive were easily my least favorite anime of all time, there is in no fucking way that I'm going to give either of these anime a shot unless it is somehow, by some miracle, a universally praised reboot and project related to such a phenomenal OVA that was able to spur the inspiration, and the musical minds of so many people of that generation. If it doesn't make the waves that would be something of a modern classic, I'm not going to touch the ship with a 10-foot pole. Absolutely not. I know that the Pillows are going to be providing music for both anime that are going to be coming out through the rest of this. Bully Cooley Grunge is going to be animated by Momblog Pictures, and they've done every single animation pipeline, whether it be through 3D CG, whether it be through advertisement, whether it be through projection mapping, motion capture, live action, motion graphics, they have done so many different animation and related pipelines through the rest of it. But the closest anime production that they've gotten to was an ending to a Precure film. And I'm gonna not knock any of the workers on through the rest of this, but this is going to be their first full-length anime production, and it's going to be on something that I have legitimately no care for. So, at the very least, I can say that, look, Mubla, it is not you. It is the people who are forcing you to make this project that I am absolutely livid with. And at the very least, I hope you're going to get compensated for whatever work you're going to be doing for this, because there is no fucking way that I'm going to watch this anyways. Fully Cooly Shoegaze is going to be produced by Production IG and Studio Nut which might give yourself the inkling of an opportunity to feel like this could be a like decently well-run and well-veteran-staffed studio production, I'm not going to give them shit. It's just what they treated progressive and alternative as just what they assumed to be this cash grab of a show nearly 20 years later, to the point where they assumed that if they made something with Haruko, that they made something relating to any of the characters inside of a town with a fucking iron piece in the middle of the town, it's just not gonna fucking happen. 
it's, I highly doubt anything positive is going to be coming out of this. Besides potentially good new albums and new EPs with the pillows. Because I will admit, as much as I loathe Progressive and Alternative, there are still pieces of music that the pillows made for those two shows that I still listen to this day on Spotify. And all of it's on Spotify, and I assume most of the pillow soundtrack is going to be available on Spotify before both Grunge and before Shoegaze come out. So at the very least, I'm going to give those a listen, but there is no fucking way in hell I'm going to give either of these shows a watch. So I guess in the midst of that ridiculously irrational rant outside of anime in this case uh i've been reading a lot of stuff uh through the rest of this honestly i had been going back and forth on trying to figure out what essentially i wanted this supplemental episode to be whether it be something looking back on the finale of Alla House, but i do believe that i really need to go back rewatch the entire file rewatch the entire final season figure out what essentially i want to take out of this show look into the nooks and crannies of the people who actually worked on it inside of the production crew, because I'm honestly curious to see what kind of artists were inspired by this and brought on later into the project outside of what they were able to do within the first season or two. So at this point in time, I'm going to give a lot more time and research before I even think about doing an Owl House season just retrospective. And then outside of that, I was also thinking about uh, doing an episode on Hilda. But apparently, the final season of Hilda is also going to be coming out towards the end of this year or in this case early in 24 and if that's the case then it's like okay i can totally hold off on doing an entire hilda perspective episode next year until the rest of that is done um i don't know if i mentioned it uh i mean in the previous episode but considering that both omni-man and peacemaker are getting into the most recent uh mortal kombat game also the fact that omni-man and the entire show surrounding him invincible is also going to be coming out later this year i believe in november that's also incredibly hype but it's kind of going to be like yeah a lot of stuff lined up towards the end of the year but for now i think i'll just kind of like slow it down take it back and then at least upload something that is going to be able to go through on the stuff that i'm watching and reading currently because i did say it in the previous episode where it's like Jujutsu Kaisen's been good. Horamiya's been a nice return to pace on, like, seeing all these old characters. Bleach is just crazy and stupid from the first core that they did, but now it's just kind of stupid and the action's not living up, so not necessarily a lot of positive things I can say about that. It's been really nice to go back with Zombie 100 and watch it with a couple of people inside of a group watch to kind of get a lot of different perspectives on how everybody is enjoying it. And then Murder Farce has just been... Still, towards the end of this week, we will have the conclusion of the first major mystery arc that they have, so I can get a good idea on how they ravel up that first mystery of many that they're definitely going to be exploring throughout the rest of the series, but only time will tell. So I decided to jump in and do a couple of things, at least with manga in this case. Since there are a couple of things that I'm still reading weekly, bi-weekly, monthly that are in line to get their own anime adaptation, but then a couple of pieces where I am still really enjoying them, but still haven't had even a hint of whether or not they're going to be getting any kind of anime adaptation in the future. So I guess to start off the ongoing manga that are slated or already getting anime adaptations in particular, I mean, we've got uh, Freyrin at Journey's End. It's really nice to see every month and again to kind of check back in on our characters we had an incredibly long arc based around the golden city 
that lasted definitely, in this case, nearly two years of our time, but like that was, anywhere between 20 and 25 chapters inside of the story. Now we're mostly focusing on a new arc recently that is going to focus on an entirely different point in time. So I'm curious to see how Fragrant and the rest of the crew kind of see the rest of it, and if we're going to be getting more in-depth looks on the relationships between the characters in both the past and the present. So Freyrim still running strong. Whether or not you want to wait until October to go and give it a watch, completely blind, I would still recommend that if you're incredibly invested, if you're really curious, if you're already invested and you kind of dropped it early on the rest of it. The really, really long Golden City arc is already done, so you can definitely jump back into that at your leisure. And then, depending on where the anime decides to end towards the end of the year, you can also go through, give that a watch, and if you really enjoy it, there's more than enough content to keep you occupied after this whole series is done. So it's a universal recommendation across the board. Mm, so My Hero Academia has been a weird relationship for me, considering that Horikoshi's been taking... Some bi-weekly breaks, understandable, because it's we're getting to an incredibly high-pitched point, which in this case is the final arc of the manga. The fact that this is going to be ending within 50 chapters within the next year, in 2024, is kind of crazy to me, considering that I did end up going through and starting to read this shonen manga back in 2015. And I understand that my relationship with the original Big Three between Bleach, between One Piece, between Naruto has not necessarily been as tight as a lot of the modern stuff, especially since I started becoming a fan in the early 10s instead of the uh, aughts. But My Hero Academia is going to be a really interesting case where once it inevitably ends next year, that will be the first full-length major shonen anime that I will have been able to go through and watch in its entirety towards where it was close to being adapted at all. I think I remember getting into My Hero around chapter 50, I believe, when it was going through, which at that point, they would have been in between adapting seasons 2 and 3. Just catching up to the middle of the Yakuza arc in season 4, it was really, really slow, but the moments that they were able to make in the middle of that adaptation, especially, which is what I shocked, especially with the school festival arc, how hype it was on a week-by-week -week basis, I was definitely invested. Now, especially with the final arc that I'm in the middle of, it has a lot of fights happening concurrently, back and forth and back and forth, Sometimes staying on for three to four chapters, sometimes we get a fragment of it and then it immediately jumps a chapter later. So currently I've just been stockpiling my hero chapters three to four weeks at a time. So I mean, call it, I check back into my hero every month because I know based on the fights that they go, either they skip through it a week later or a specific fight is going to drag individually from moment to moment at a pace of about two to four chapters to get the full context and the full resolution of the conflicts that you have. And so that's what I've been doing as of late, and it's definitely been helping me get through at least the last portions of these, considering that it's just fight, 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 fight. Barely any downtime, barely any ways to compose yourself, and through the rest of it, it is still good because where, at least in this case, the majority of the fights that I've seen 
have been a really good conclusion to specific characters, specific villains, and specific conflicts that have been going out for just over a hundred chapters at this point. But it still has a couple of flaws. It's so weird because the final arc of this show is so Horikoshi in the point that Horikoshi in of itself is like an up and down arc sort of styled man, where he will have an arc that is at the peak and then immediately go into an arc that's a valley, and then you would go peak valley, peak valley, alternatively. Now it is that entire scenario condensed into one arc where it's like a fight's peak, and then a fight's a valley, and then a fight's a peak, and then a fight's a valley. So it's kind of like Horikoshi's entire ethos condensed into one final showdown towards the rest of this entire series. So legitimately, I can't wait to see... It's not that I can't wait to see this end, because I still do enjoy my hero for the majority of it. And I'm curious to see uh, how far they're going to be able to adapt once they go into Season 7, I believe, next year. So I'm definitely curious to see how the, how much they'll be able to get through towards the rest of this. And how much they'll be able to adapt so that there, was still, that there is probably still going to be a gap between the end of Season 7 and the major conclusion of the series. So only time will tell. Um, inside besides that, another show that is close to being finished, um, Insomniacs After School recently got an anime adaptation, really did enjoy it. They put out a volume recently that announced that after this volume, there is only two chapters left. Insomniacs After School is going to be over within the next two to three months, which is also kind of crazy to me. It's going to be a while. If I, Like I said before in a previous episode, I don't think the way that they ended the first season, disregarding the entire backlash and fall off of the conflict that we had in the pre in the final episode i don't think that they believed that they were going to get a second season to adapt especially with how it's going to be concluding soon this entire show could probably be condensed to three seasons i would say about 36 episodes it doesn't strike me as something that could wrap everything up in the amount of time that it's given but considering that we still have two chapters to go and how the rest of it's going to settle up, if you want to catch up all the way to these last two chapters, that's probably a better idea than to wait for this inevitably to probably not get a second season. So if you liked the first season of Insomniacs After School, I would definitely recommend the manga. I would also definitely recommend going back and rereading bits and pieces of it because, I mean, it's been great in both forms. And towards the rest of that, you should probably go through and give this a read to kind of meet us in the middle to the point that once the final two chapters come out, we'll be able to all experience them as a collective to kind of see how this romance will inevitably end. Now instead of romance, oh boy, did <laughs> this entire this entire episode was almost in oh man, this entire episode was almost entirely. Oh man, this entire episode was almost exclusively inspired by the most recent uh, Chainsaw Man Part 2 chapter that just came out today. Especially with the references that they were able to give inside this specific chapter alone. It's So yes, I'm still reading Chainsaw Man Part 2. I highly doubt that MAPPA is not going to wait too long to put out a second season of Chainsaw Man, even though it didn't necessarily get as much feedback and positive reception in japan it's they'd be crazy to not continue the story especially with the cliffhanger that they ended up leaving at the end of season one 
what Fujimoto is able to do, especially since he's been a lot more reference-heavy in his most recent chapters, to kind of push this story forward even further to what we would have expected, and getting back to the things that he really decided to enjoy and inspired him to create this entire story in the first place, oh boy, it's been a fucking riot going back and listening, going back and rereading a lot of this stuff to more of the rest of it. So yeah, Chainsaw Man has been still a riot to read every single week that it comes out, or bi-weekly, depending on how much time Fujimoto needs. It's been super fun. If you can't wait for season two to come out, read it if you want. That's totally through the rest of it. I honestly haven't reread a lot of the chapters that are going to be coming out in the second season since 2019, so it's going to be really fun to kind of see these come back to life in animated form. And we'll just have to wait and see and how time will tell is going to be leading in through the rest of the second season where it gets even more chaotic. Okay, so outside of those for shows that are already running with adaptations, these ones haven't necessarily gotten adaptations yet, but I would not be surprised towards any of these four that they get an adaptation announced within the next two years. Uh, to start it all off, they ended up celebrating their third volume release, which is Smoking Behind the Supermarket. It's a interesting age gap, not really, I guess rom-com, I put it more as a comedy, and now more recently it's a drama, but there's still a little bit of a tinge of romance, or in this case, obsession behind the main character, because the entire reason behind most of how this goes is that you've got a middle-aged man, Sasaki, who consistently goes to this one supermarket after working at his not necessarily a black company like you see inside of Zombie 100, but more of a just really just soul-draining and a lot of work salaryman kind of job that you see like a dime a dozen inside of Japan. And so this ray of sunshine is uh, Yamada, who's this clerk behind the tell at his local supermarket. And so he continuously goes there almost after work, and he's been a fan of her for months and months and months, but he's never really you know, ask for anything, ask for a number, ask for a date, ask for anything. He just kind of just looks at her through this really rose-tinted lens. But he ends up going behind the supermarket and meeting Tayama, who is just not necessarily an alter ego, but it is Yamada, but in this leather jacket, leather collar, smoking, bang-cut, like, goth dream gal behind the supermarket after she's done work. As the story goes on, and they do a lot of good back and forth and a lot of good banter, and they start influencing each other, both both in a more positive manner towards the how the series has been going through the rest of it, it's a monthly set, and this has only been in publication for the past year, since we've only gotten... Oh, well, I guess it used to be bi-weekly then, considering that we've already got 28 chapters over the past year or so. It's been really fun and i really love the dynamic between these two where it's kind of like age gap it's an interesting one considering that one's 24 and the other one's 44 so it's definitely where it's like oh yeah no romantic subtext not necessarily yamada really likes to push his buttons in the in the sense that just like to shrug him off and just like keep him going back and forth it's it's so fun it, it's such a fun read especially with the fact that you actually get adult characters in this case between anywhere between the ages of their 20s and their 40s and the entire side cast that goes around with them kind of like just like pushes and prods the two of them like consistently not to the point where it's like oh why aren't you two together it's just kind of like yeah well 
you've been hanging around behind the supermarket with this dude for like months and months and months. It's like, what exactly is that? It's like, oh, you know, I just like to tease him. Yeah, really. But, uh, you know, it's seeing this kind of dynamic between the rest of them, especially to the towards the point where they become incredibly friendly with their banter and they definitely care between the two of them to kind of at least see the other succeed. It's a really, really nice change of pace throughout the majority of romance stuff that you've been able to go through. And I would definitely like give it a huge recommendation, and I would not be surprised if it ends up getting an adaptation at some point in time in the next two years. Kind of the same deal, I guess, now looking back on it, there's just a lot of... I mean, <laughs> the previous one was romantic subtext. This is just a straight-up romance uh, that ended up starting back in 2021, but I didn't end up reading it until about later last year, which is Kauruhana, or in this case, The Fragrant Flower Blooms. And it's just a basic high school romance, kind of like a Romeo and Juliet style, where it's just all-girls school next to an all-boys school. The way that one from each finds each other through the rest of it, and they legitimately want to see where their friendship and relationship blooms, especially to the point about how essentially separate these two schools are, where it's just the boys are only treated as delinquents, and the women are treated as these high-class future prospects towards anybody inside of the industry that they want to go into. The way that they're able to go through, especially with our main boy, Rintaro, is that he's already, like, set, and sure, he's a liquid, and sure, he's tall, and he's brooding, and he's got piercings, and he's dyed his hair blonde, and everything related towards that is just in such a forced way that he never wants to be himself, especially towards the fact that he's a pastry chef. He helps his family run their cake shop towards the rest of it, and he's just a really sweet and swell guy. And you just, this show, show, this manga really does a good job at asking you to push beyond your own perspective and your own biases towards any kind of appearance that anybody may give off and just try to look a little deeper and it is an incredibly cute and incredibly heartwarming story between the two of these and how the relationship between not only themselves but how their friends are able to bridge the gap between the two schools and how they're able to like make it go through so if you're looking for like a really good shoujo sweet romance it's just oh yeah no i would definitely recommend fragrant flower blooms one that's also running in Shona jump in this case, would be Blue Box. It's rare for me because the only other major romance sports story that I'd seen before this would have been Baby Steps, in the sense of this is also a racket sport, but Baby Steps is focused on tennis, while this one is more focused on badminton, I would say, than the basketball. Basically, the main two characters, I mean, Chinatsu and Taiki are basically living under the same roof because their separate ends of the family are essentially going through and having the opportunity to live with each other inside of this specific house so they can go through and go to school and still stay local. Taiki, main boy, has a crush on Chinatsu. Chinatsu is the basketball player. Taiki is the badminton player. They are both aiming for nationals, through high school trophies, through competitions, through ways that they'll be able to go through and have the opportunity to push themselves forward in their own respective sports to see how far they could get without sacrificing the things that they love most around them. And initially, this was probably one of my favorite manga that I had been going through, considering I was able to go through and jump into this in week one. 
and it's been a really good time for the most part. It did a really good job in its initial story. It did a really good job in its initial story to move past all the tropes, to get rid of all of the subtext and all the bullshit, and to just go, hey, I respect the two of you, and I really want to go and move forward and not make you take any kind of priority away from the thing that I know you love, because I know you love basketball, and I know that you love badminton. So how exactly can we mold this friendship around that, which could potentially turn to romance, but could potentially kind of throw every kind of dynamic out of whack and take away any kind of focus between the two things that we love to do and love to play. And so that was a really good initial start for this manga. And then the middle portion, people really started to just falter off, where it was a good 30 chapters or so where you'd be getting... Side characters introduced that would kind of like throw a wrench into it, which is completely natural, but is the fact that they're not characters, they're just plot devices first to create conflict between the rest of them and they're not, and their characters second. The love triangle, which you know, whenever there's a love triangle in any kind of shoujo romance, nine times out of ten, you know where the triangle's gonna go and you know who's gonna be left out of it. And this was so obl- just obvious. In the beginning, the fact that they stretched it on for as long as they did was crazy to me. And I would imagine it's a lot better if you're deciding to jump into this manga, which I definitely recommend, by the way, and just at least have the opportunity to just go and like blitz through all the bullshit that they had into the rest of it. Also, especially considering that you have a lot of good supporting side characters that go through and they do create conflict, but they're also their own person and they're trying to find their own love lives outside of this main trio. And then also, quote-unquote, friends that push people in other directions, especially to the point where they're pushing them to the fact that it's like, hey, no, you don't like this girl, you like this girl. And it's like, you were so strong at the start, but now you're creating artificial conflict to try and give yourself the opportunity to pad out anywhere between 26 to 50 chapters to stretch this story out because it's in Shonen Jump, because you need something to write, because you need content to go through to at least have the opportunity to push this manga into more chapters and more into the future so at least you can guarantee yourself a job for another 6 to 12 months. But at the very least, I will admit it has its problems in that regard to those side characters. It's still ongoing, and it finally picked a side, and as of late, the past 25 chapters have been phenomenal. They have figured out their footing, they know exactly where they want to go with it, and they have a really good grasp on how the characters are going to move forward with each other and what essentially they have now that the majority of the pieces are set in place. So Blue Box to me, now it's been a really good time, had some rough patches, but if you're looking for a really good sports romance to get into at this point in time, Blue Box is definitely for me at the top of the list. One that is going to be guaranteed to get an adaptation, probably by the end of the year. Like, not not next season, but it's going to announce at some point in time. Don to Don is just one of the most phenomenally wacky and chaotic action, romance, supernatural, comedy. Just, like, it's really good to have that opportunity to take these shonen demographics and 
very be very much like Jujutsu Kaisen in the same way that, yes, we understand that it's a shonen. Yes, we know there's violence. Yes, we know there's blood. Yes, we know there's potential romance. Yes, we know that there's a group dynamic and you're going to be getting us invested in these set of characters. And then it's like, okay, so what? Dadadon is very much in the same vein as Hunter x Hunter, in the same vein as Jujutsu Kaisen, where, okay, not Hunter x Hunter, but it is a modern shonen that, yes, it is using the same tropes and tried pieces inside of this specific demographic and this specific genre, but to the point where it does every trope and every story beat so effortlessly that it gets you incredibly invested in the cast that you get jumped around with. It gets you curious about the power system that goes through the rest of it. The character design. Holy shit. The, there are transformations in this manga that just give some of the best... It's weird because the designs to me are kind of like a merge between Dr. Stone's line work hairstyle and the rest of it but into a battle shonen in the same veins as bleach the drip and the style of every single character that you see inside of this show is phenomenally laid out they do an incredible job in terms of setting up not only what they're able to accomplish where their strengths and weaknesses are how essentially they're going to be moving forward with the different power systems and the different conflicts that they go through considering that basically the story itself is about aliens and supernatural threats. You've got telekinesis, and you've got shape-shifting, and you've got possession. And all of these give their own specific style and their own specific power set that essentially helps you go through and fight against every other conflict that the story decides to go through in you. There's a little bit of an undercut romance, but I wouldn't necessarily like point it in towards the rest of it, considering that everybody inside of this group are such good friends and they have such a good dynamic going that essentially whenever they're bouncing off each other, you can't essentially help but get sucked into the rest of it and have just as much of a good time as they are. They do have some randomly buff teenage boys in, the, in through the rest of it where it's just kind of like, oh, you've got powers now? Oh shit, let me show off this 8-pack. <laughs> but besides that point, it's been honestly one of my favorite, if not my favorite airing manga going week by week. Sometimes bi-weekly, but I could totally understand because how Yukinobu and his team are able to consistently, especially with all the chapters that were coming last month, how they're able to go through and draw this shit consistently at the quality that they've been able to go through. Yukinobu and his team are a phenomenal group that have been able to go through and produce banger after banger after banger, regardless if it's drama, regardless if it's a rundown piece where everybody's at their lowest, whether it's hype, whether it's mecha, whether it's comedy, whether it's kaiju, whether it's supernatural, whether it's sci-fi, they bring so much to the table in towards the rest of this story that anything that they're able to go through and combine in towards the rest of it since they do a really good job at running every single shonen trope across the board but the way they execute it that is the key that is the secret sauce they do an exceptional job at going through and being able to blend all of these shonen aspects into a really well put together and really cohesive and engaging and chaotic but at the end of the day, a well-told shonen action romp story. Specifically, if that's what you're looking for, I can't give enough of a recommendation to Dundanon. Because, don't worry, guaranteed, by the end of next year, you will see them get a 
announcement for an adaptation because the way that their style is able to go through the only question is who's going to be able to animate this because the action that we see through the rest of the panels that they're able to go through the action is chaotic the references are uncanny i would put this down towards either mappa wit or madhouse i mean hmm. uh, also judging by how uh it's it's really good because there was a lot of line work Bones is good with line work, but because of the simplistic designs that they recently did with Mob Psycho, I would still put it down to Bones. But judging by how MAPPA has been able to snatch up a lot of properties in this case, I would put probably the top three that are most likely to get adaptations out of this are either going to be MAPPA, Wit, or Bones. Going to kind of have to wait and see, but I can guarantee that if this gets announced, it's going to create waves. Not to the point of Chainsaw Man, not necessarily up to the rest of it, but it's going to be in a very similar vein where people are going to be coming out of the woodwork and proclaiming this to possibly be one of the best modern shonen anime that is going to be coming out in the middle of the 2020s, and everybody is going to be having a roaring time when it gets put to the screen. Cheers, everyone.